The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Ann Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer. Hello, and welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio. I'm your host, Ann Gelsheimer. And I am so happy tonight, I'm going to be interviewing the very talented Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, Amardeet Kalika, who is the lead creator and director of the film Sirius, which we'll be discussing tonight. Amardeet Kalika is the youngest son of Satwant Singh Kalika, the Sikh temple of Wisconsin president, who heroically died trying to protect his community's church on August 5th, 2012. Amar is also a former teacher and a community organizer. His lobbying work in Washington, D.C. on gun legislation and hate crimes has been toted by insiders as a remarkable show of candor and straight talk. He is not only respected by many on Capitol Hill, but also by many hardworking blue-collar families who see him as one of their own. Kalika, who is a longtime Democrat, challenged the Republican Paul Ryan for his seat in Congress in 2014. Although ultimately Amar lost, his message was clear. The political system is broken, and the only way to fix it is by being active in it. In other words, be the change you wish to see. Now, his movie Sirius was really groundbreaking. Sirius was a highly successful crowd-funded documentary that presented some shocking truths, including the fact that humanity is not alone in the cosmos or on Earth. The film focuses on the important research of Dr. Stephen Greer, who explains that Earth has been visited by advanced interstellar civilizations that can travel through other dimensions faster than the speed of light. What we have learned from these highly advanced extraterrestrial visitors about energy propulsion could bring us into a new era. But those in power have suppressed this information in order to maintain their financial control, which is largely based on the petrodollar and on technologies that are so far out of date compared to what's available in the secretive black projects. Now, I landed up being involved with the film myself, really in a peripheral way, as a donor and associate producer, and then attending the film of Dr. Greer's talk in Santa Monica, and that talk became the framework for the unfolding of the film. And I was also uh, honored to assist Dr. Greer at the L.A. premiere in April of 2013. So, Mar, this is very exciting for me to welcome you to the show, a real pleasure, and thank you so much for taking time to be on this show. Oh, thank you, Anne, for having me. Always uh, nice to 
see you. I, I remember you told me, hey, go look for me in the two seconds of that flip. And I was like, oh, matching up Facebook profiles and I was trying to find you. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's, it's like really quick. You, you got to have a really sharp eye. But it was actually just, just before everybody was lining up and, and getting ready to go in. And there's like two seconds of me waiting in line. So woohoo, my oh, moment uh, of fame. <laughs> no, but I, rem- I remember walking through those lines and I, I was just amazed at how many diverse and cool people we had show up there. And I was like, whoa. I, it's 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 always um, exciting to see s- something come to life, like a, a presentation of sorts. But it's it's even better to see so many different people uh, approach it from so many different angles. And and I thought that was a great day to have everybody there at one moment in you know Western LA. Well, it was historic, and the people there, many of them had contributed to the film. There was so much love for what you were doing, and I was amazed at how uh, peaceful the group was because there was a bit of a wait. There was some security issues, and you know more about what was happening behind the scenes than I did. But people were really patient, and they were just so excited to be there. Absolutely, absolutely. The crowdfunding was, uh, this is the first time this model has really been brought to life. It's it's a film demanded by the people who are part of that subject. And so they make a film and they search out the best scientists to work with, the best filmmakers. They use those funds. And this was, uh, I think we crowdfunded about half a million, close to about half a million. And then right. it, 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 it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Yeah. And it, it was, I think it was made history, didn't it, with the, the, how successful it was as a crowdfunded film. Just in terms of the amount of money raised and the support was just incredible. Which I think speaks to the the thirst that everybody has for understanding uh, phenomena in the sky that have been there for you know millennia um, and across all ancient cultures. Right. So so it's I think it speaks to that thirst of humanity getting to that curious state. Now we're becoming a type one society with all our the internet bursting at the seams with people joining it every day, having three, four devices on it. And I think when they got involved, when they started crowdfunding and they started pushing us as filmmakers to search even harder and deeper and get more and more evidence, uh, things like the Atacama humanoid, you know, surfaced. That was amazing. Oh, so we're going to, yeah, we're going to come back to that because that I, I can only imagine what the process was for you as a filmmaker. But I want to ask you before we go there, what, what made you decide to go in this direction with your film career and to do a film like that? I'm just so curious as a human being, what, you know, had you had an experience with a UFO or ET? Well, I think we all have different varieties of experiences when we are sensitive in our childhood states mm-hmm. and this is normal to see you know, children will talk about seeing an imaginary friend or multiple things so they have a high narrative threshold or a high fiction threshold and then this imagination that they form from that um, so I was young I had a lot of creative vision and I, I, I could swear to God because for me it felt real it felt very you know, impressive. It was, you know, I saw two poltergeist. Right? Oh, wow. And, but I called them poltergeist because, hey, I come from that generation where we had Ghostbusters. Right. We know what, the, we know uh, what that's called. <laughs> right. And so I don't know. I, you know, and even today, I, and, 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 and you, uh, that's too many ands in one, one sentence. <laughs> uh, when, 
when you talk of it, you know, you you feel a little bit more firm about what it is. Yeah. Me, I'm, I'm still inquisitive right now. I'm still a young man. And I feel very, like, interested by the idea of what is that. And that's always driven me towards filmmaking. So once once I married that to my documentary threshold of, like, hey, I really want to get as much knowledge on this subject and then film it and then write it down and try to condense it into a two-hour film, it was it was a great marriage. But, wow, like, the idea of extraterrestrials was I, I think it was just everywhere don't you feel that like oh absolutely I mean it's it's popping up whether it's in films and books and you know you go to a party and somebody's just seen one and it's, it really is everywhere and so did you were you the one who did you actually approach Dr. Greer I'm not sure exactly how that went down in terms of uh, the film you, you two collaborating Oh, we had a great collaboration, uh, especially on the onset, and we did a great job uh, putting together most of the initial approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, we came to Dr. Greer. We were doing another film called, uh, I can say it now because uh, I've not, a lot of non-disclosures are out there, but we are working on the project. So Classified K7150 was the name of the project, mm. and it was set to be this um, narrative fiction film, but it was like paranormal activity, so people were shooting it. Um, and this impressive UFO, you know, lore in it um, of, of, you know, the military bases that are not sighted in the foreign countries, and there's a, several of them that are crucial in Mexico. Um, and so the film takes place there at a real base. But anyways. That's interesting. I didn't know that history. Well, I won't put you down that thread. Let's let's back out of that. Like, so we <laughs> okay. approached Dr. Greer to, hey, we said, hey, would you put disclosure on the end of this? We'd like to say, you know, we put your website on the end. We want to send traffic to you. We like what you're doing. And we're going to do that with about 10 to 12 websites. And I pretty much, I try to do that with all my films now, the Peacemaker Movement being one of them. I'm going to try to send uh, all the traffic towards 12 to 15 organizations that help support the film and they don't have to support it with money right just giving giving factual knowledge is great for a filmmaker because it takes us so many hours to research something so sending over you know data it's it's all you know how it is you you compile a, sure. a whole lot yeah oh so yeah okay so with dr greer we got to that meeting and miss jan bravo was there dr jan bravo i should say right we had a great discussion it was amazing it was exhilarating and I said to him, point blank, dude, we need to make a documentary on your life. You know, because at that point I was doing a narrative fiction film again. I already did one. It was a horror film. I didn't, I, I like narrative fiction, but it also can be, oh, it's a lot of work. So I thought, oh, let me just document somebody's life. Little did I know. My God. <laughs> right. Talk about uh, the, the choice of a, a fascinating life. That's So what was it like for you as you sort of, went through that door and started to find out more and more and more. Mm. I mean, each panel you open of, of this subject mm-hmm. forces you to think outside the box in terms of religion, outside of social science sometimes, because then we, we talk about, you know, what is the 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 most technical, beautiful, 
physical science in the world, if it's not, you know, the planet Earth or the solar system or you as a human organism. And all these sciences that we haven't been studying, which are deep. I mean, just look at magnetics. I went through AP physics in high school and we barely touched the concept of magnetics. Hmm. You know, um, and I just, these things, if we can study them. So I, I think it, the extraterrestrial phenomenon or the idea of it, let people go search it out like they're doing in our film. And then let people find hard evidence, as we found with the Atacama humanoid, and then give it to a, a university like Stanford with Dr. Gary Nolan and have him run genetics. Right. I mean, that's, that's the film in a nutshell, right? And then everybody at the end of this film, it was interesting because they were like, oh, he, you know, what was the end defining? Why, oh, they're, they're, it's not a, a being, it's a, it's a human, it's a little baby fetus. You'll hear about 75 different arguments. Right. Our simple argument in the film is to keep searching because he got to a point where he as a scientist backed down and said, I can't explain it. Right. I'm the top geneticist in the world and I can't explain it. That's right. And there was another specialist as well who was a specialist in fetal abnormalities, etc., who also said no, he'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, Dr. Lachman. Right. And not, and not many people mentioned his report in our film, but he gave that report specially to us. He said, here's my written word on it. You know, I can't be part of your film, but here's my written word on it. And we put it right there up there on the screen. Yes, um, that, that was amazing to have these top-notch scientists uh, weighing in on it. I remember the, the night before the premiere, uh, there's a, a gathering of a few people and Dr. Nolan was there presenting what was going to be in the film the next day. And it was so exciting just to listen to Dr. Nolan share the results just to this small group of people. The whole world was going to hear it the next day and see how excited he was. I mean, this was, this was momentous information about this little being that was found in the Chilean desert. And I, I saw pictures of it on one of the trainings and it was so, so unlike a human form, even though it was humanoid, the, the head, the rib cage, it was very, very different and so exciting to have this expert weigh in on it. Absolutely. I think um, Dr. Nolan was, and I, we just got off the phone with each other not too long ago and I asked him to, oh, be, really? to be part of the Polaris project, the, the follow-up. And I, I said, hey, if, for Act One, we want to come back and check up on you. You know, and he, he was so excited and all he wants to do is the more people out there that do have finds or the people that want to go search in those ancient areas where there's a lot of activity and dig around, send over an email to Dr. Gary Nolan. And if you need to get a hold of him, just do, throw, do, do so through me and I'll totally connect you guys, you know, or do, do so through Anne and I'll totally connect you guys. That is so, thank you. That is so, it would be so great actually to have them come on and talk about uh, a little bit more. And, and I know they've continued to do research, like they've continued to run tests long after the movie uh, was released. Yeah, he does. He does have some firm findings now. I think he's at the point where, um, well, I'm going to stop right there and not tell you guys and oh, let you, exciting, you know, exciting. wait for act one of the next one. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. That is so great. Well, actually, this probably is a good place to take a break. Um, and when we come back, we have so much more to talk about. Um, but I want to ask Amar about his own experience when he was out in the field with uh, Dr. Stephen Greer doing a CE5 training. So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you ever felt as if you don't fit in? Are you in need of a breakthrough? You might even need to connect with your angels or a loved one on the other side. Tune in to Exploring the Full Spectrum Life with host Michael Lott. Michael and his guests will provide fresh perspectives, inspiration, healing, and insights for your life. It's time to move into new dimensions in your life and fulfill your higher creative calling now. Start by listening live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, this is Ann Gelsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. So my guest tonight is Amar Kalika, who was the director of the film Sirius. And we've been talking about just sort of his journey in making the film and, and all the interesting things sort of behind the scenes that some of which I didn't know, even though I've talked to uh, Stephen Greer many times about the film. What I wanted to ask you, Amar, is about your experience for the first time out in the field doing a CE5 training with Stephen Greer. And I'll just explain it, just in case someone's listening who doesn't know what a CE5 training is. It's uh, the use of meditation protocols to actually call in through, through the use of consciousness and remote viewing to call in extraterrestrial uh, beings and, and their craft. So what was that like for you? Well... I mean, it, first of all, I'm skeptical, right? Like I'm a documentary filmmaker searching for the truth, kind of just sitting, plop down, and somebody told me we're going to go call E.T., and I'm like, I got to see this. So I'm out there filming, and I see people doing Reiki, and then I see people doing, um, they're turning on the radio and sending up uh, sound they've collected in crop circles, and I'm listening to it, and it sounds like really interesting music, like data bits of interesting music. Absolutely. It's so beautiful. And then so we gathered around this circle of about, mm, I would say there's about 20, 21 of us. And uh, now since then, I've done a 
a whole ton of CE5s, so they can vary. But there at that, that specific one in Crestone, Colorado, near those beautiful sand dunes, we, we're, we're up there and just staring out into the sky and meditating, going through each of the protocols of meditation, like getting through the void, um, creating silence, now sending signal up through, you know, uh, your mind chakra or like your, you know, eternal sixth sense up straight through your mind up mm-hmm. or through the third eye. And it, we, we were doing all these protocols and it was amazing because in one of the protocols, I closed my eyes. I just felt like meditating eyes closed. And all of a sudden I got hit with this voice and this voice just started saying, are you going to be scared? Are you going to be afraid? Are you going to fear us? Are you going to fear us? And I kept saying, no, no, no. And as I said, no, 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 no. And I kept my mantra, the no, 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 no. Like I was in my meditation, so it didn't really matter. Nobody knew I was there. I was just saying it over and over. Silently, right? Right. Because that's about what you get when you do any mantra. You don't, physically, you can't continue saying it. You do it as long as you can. And as an ascetic, you just, it'll become part of your mind. And then I'm saying, no, no, no. And that's happening. And these faces are just passing through and out of like this black void at me. And they're different versions of humanity, different thoughts of animals mixed with humans, like all these. And I get what it's asking me. It's simply asking me, hey, are you going to be scared of us? So I say, no, 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 no. And all of a sudden, I hear this like high-pitched frequency over my right shoulder in my right ear. And I turn over my right side and open my eyes, and there's this little orb floating through the sky. Wow. And when I say floating... And, and, and we're taught in the protocols, like the first thing a group leader should technically do is just tell you where north is. And as soon as somebody sees something funny in the sky, they go, hey, over the west, 20 degrees up, do you see that thing in the sky? Now, nobody's saying, do you see an extraterrestrial in the sky? Do you see? So I, I, I do that protocol. I say, hey, everybody, do you see that? And we all look and you hear the oohs and the ahs, right? Because this is abnormal, right? Now, Mind you, this is in the first day, which I agreed I would not film on the first day. We had a big discussion about that because filming itself can create like um, channel barriers, like using technology in certain ways. Okay. So the first day, the second one, or the, I think that was like the seventh sighting is the one that you see on the film because we had so many sightings throughout that whole time. So this one is floating through the sky in a movement that's not completely like a satellite, not at the same speed, not at the same uh, straight distance. And it's definitely not uh, flying around the earth. And I can, I, I, I don't know why I can tell you that because it's just, there's this feeling of an arc hmm. when something comes with the earth, right? Like the, the plane, you always feel an arc. Right. And I'm staring up there. We're all staring up and we're oohing and on. And it passes over us and warm air just filled. Like it was, it was just like it was a cold, you know, desert night. All of a sudden, boom, this warmth filled up and we're all staring at it. It's slowing down, brightening up. We're talking to it. The people are talking to it. These protocols, these contact initiatives are so interesting. So I'm sitting there and then that happens and then the thing floats away, you know. The one in the movie actually interacts with a military jet. The jet is actually flying off screen, coming at it. Oh, and really? we're like, it's brightening up as everybody's sending heart energy to it. And all of a sudden, boom, by the end of it, everybody's saying, oh, oh there's a jet coming in it. They, they get freaked out and scared. 
and the orb kind of flies away or yeah. floats up into the sky, however you want to look at it, or diminishes in light or whatever you want to say. Right, but it just, interacts, you know? Oh, absolutely. I I know uh, what you're describing because I've been on a number with uh, Stephen. I, I was assisting for a couple years, and you're right. I mean, they, they do interact with consciousness. And so people have said, you know, they'll see something and they're not sure they saw it, so they'll ask in their mind silently, could you do that again? And it'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh my god and that's what's, right. that's so exciting because then we start realizing that that level of consciousness is what brings us together it, you know in terms of human et we all share consciousness and then it's not so frightening it's not like they're you know, whatever they might look like they have consciousness and we have consciousness well you know there's this religious feeling that there's always a judge there's a judgment of if you think of God, now you have a, a third, you have you, you have the environment that you're observing, and now you have this third perspective of the creator of the environment and the creator of you. And now the crazy part is that that seems to exist in all physics, this three-point interaction, right? And it seems like if there were conscious beings that could travel space and time, which is not far-fetched, and there are so many of these different galaxies and um, extraterrestrials that can navigate possible organisms of electromagnetic flux that they can harness. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are very complex things, but not really that complex. Just think of them as wild horses of electromagnetic flux that mind consciousness can call. If people can use this energy to do special things or to do certain things, what would they think of our society today? Hmm. Just how much damage we've done to ourselves over 2,000, 3,000 years in the name of them if we misinterpreted them. And maybe this happens every time. Maybe in social science, if, you, if we get to a spot where we're traveling the cosmos and we get to a far-off galaxy and we see a cousin of Earth and it looks like our, it fits all our protocol or you know, our categories we need to land, we land. And all of a sudden we meet these people, but they were us 7,000 years ago. Right. It all connects, right? It's, it's, it's just this. Now, it's our job to hopefully overcome all of these issues that we have on this planet, which are covered a bit in the film, but you know that there are far more. You know, but the military-industrial complex is a big one. And, oh, so Go ahead, Anne. Sorry, I'm long yeah. No, no, that's cool. I Actually, it's very interesting. I was going to ask you, uh, what, what do you feel are the most important messages? You know, there's more than one in the film. Or if you like issues that you would really like people to at least begin to pay attention to. I think um, the issue of science. Essentially... In the West, when people were becoming scientists, they became atheists. Mm -hmm. This didn't really happen in the East. As people became spiritual, they became more scientific. Right. About everything, about health matters. They'd study the body to the umpteenth degree now. Like you go to China, my God. They will tell you about every little capillary that has a name. <laughs> You know how Eskimos have a lot of names for snow? Snow, right. My God, right? <laughs> they have symbols and, oh my, anyways, long story short, 
I think that's what I would love everybody to take away from the film. You did a two-hour science experiment, a thought experiment, Mm -hmm. down the road of a case study following a couple of doctors or three or four doctors and a whole lot of other people that are believers, that there can be some things out there that we don't understand yet. And it is our job at this point, just at the beginning of the search, to put the time and effort into meditation and spirituality and, and science and allowing people the freedom, you know, to not crack down on them if they're going to look at electromagnetism right. or not crack down on them. I mean, these doctors are being killed. Engineers are being killed. Yeah. Today, there's pharmaceutical engineers that are being killed. And some of them are from Southeast Asian descent. And some of them are from the West and some of them are from the East. But ultimately, this is crazy. I was uh, reading that, yes, yesterday. About six of them, they had documented all around the same time, I think in June, these holistic doctors, uh, really cutting edge because they're you know, integrating traditional medicine with alternatives and all of them disappearing uh, and some of them turning up dead. Very, very sad. So... <sighs> You know, in the East, they're so good at talking about the science of consciousness. They may not use those words, but what you've been saying makes so much sense, where they're actually studying consciousness. It's, it's, not, um, just, it's not just religion. It's the science of inner observation and the studying of states of mind. And that is so fascinating. It's interesting because, like, growing up, um, I had my own little yogi. Like, my dad was very spiritual, always made us sit down and do breathing exercises and, you know, would take us through the void and kind of like tap in. And it was interesting because he gave me a book when we went to India. And there's a lot of books in India, by the way, that aren't published, including this one uh, by Koji called Power of Thought. And my dad gave it to me at a young age and I flipped through it and it was, it only took a couple of minutes. Um, But it was a powerful and very summarized scientific theory on consciousness and unity consciousness, unity consciousness being an antenna for people. So I think that's a a powerful thing that happens in CE5 circles all over the world. And I I think it's starting to blend together. So we see more and more phenomena in the sky. Absolutely. That that is the foundation of, uh, you know, pulling the group together. Tell us what your understanding is of of the unity consciousness, because it is very important. Um. Unity consciousness for me is just like uh, once you have everybody on the same page, you have multiple antenna together. Uh, If you're doing the same thing with each other, whether it's singing the same song, uh, beating the same drum, doing the same dance, um, being in unison, whether it be on a physical level, mental, there is very, 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 very like strong, there's strong science behind this in terms of mind shifts or culture shifts. So unity consciousness is being there on together and then opening channel one or getting to that open channel where you can hear voices from other galactic fleets, so to say. Right, other places, they don't even need to be here. We can actually, because there's, consciousness is non-local, so we can connect with anyone, anywhere. And do you remember, Anne, the crucial key there? What was that? Okay, so the crucial key there is being able to now travel through the sun, 
the sun is the major gravitational field you have. Uh, and so what happens is you travel from your little area where you're sitting, you send your mind up over the clouds and keep flying, flying up, 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 up. Now you see the city. Now keep flying, flying up, 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 up. Now you see the country. Now you see the, the planet Earth. Now you see other solar system entities. And now you're flying into the sun. And then there's this little spot in the sun where there's nuclear fission and fusion happening simultaneously. And there is so much energy being converted that it's holding all these planets together. Inside that sun is this little piece of void that is drifting from the ether of like the beginnings of time. And that's your channel, your local star system. Now that is, an, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. I, I know there's, of course, there's always so many different approaches to doing this, but it is so important for our listeners to find the one that works for them. And I guess there's so many different people, there's lots of different choices, but that that's very interesting. I know when I've trained with uh, Dr. Greer, he talks a little bit about, uh, well, certainly the remote viewing programs in the military, and uh, they wouldn't necessarily go through the sun, uh, but other cultures, the sun is extremely important for this kind of work. Absolutely. Remote viewing is uh, one of the basis of the of the antenna philosophy and we did, I did a tantric meditation with His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Oh, yeah. And a group called uh, Elevate Productions, and Mickey Willis invited me. And it was an interesting one because we had over something like, I want to say 2,200 monks of highest meditation intent. And now, they're, they're an interesting bunch, the Tibetans, because they meditate like intensely, year-round, monastically. You know? Right, right. And um, this was the same philosophy, and we were... We're doing this meditation, and it's interesting because the, in the unity consciousness, uh, you can remote view stronger, right? So at that point, uh, the Packers were in the Super Bowl, and I was remote viewing myself all over the place. Oh, you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> my, my point is that the remote viewing is uh, it gets stronger, but uh, your focus and attention to that detail of being able to remote view down to the, the most critical point of your, your existence it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. You'll open up some things you've never seen. That's that's very true. I, actually, my own uh, background for years has been uh, Tibetan Buddhism. I've had the privilege to study with some lamas who trained extensively in Tibet. And that power of focus to calm the mind and to place your mind on, they say, an object, but it doesn't have to be a physical thing. It can be a, uh, it could be compassion. It could be uh, sending love and light. But just to have the more focused our mind is, the more powerful it is in whatever it is that we're going to be doing. Absolutely. The, the tantric part of meditation is always being able to focus it into a physical thing. And the sun is a really, 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 really strong one and has, has roots to the ancient cultures, especially to Jesus Christ. Where, I mean, there, there's a significant amount of, of data historically, but I love the fact that we're talking about this rather than the conspiracy theories. Because that's what happened Like from the year one when Sirius came out. Everybody wanted to talk about them, and we talked about them, and um, I, you know, 
I, I think it's more important to talk about this type of stuff. Well, this is the cutting edge. I mean, this is sort of the evolutionary leap where human beings are starting to become aware of what they're capable in terms of their consciousness. And that, I think, maybe maybe you would agree, I don't know, I think that is what is actually going to dismantle whatever else needs to happen, whatever needs to pass away in terms of uh, the things that we know are, are going on that aren't very healthy for humanity or for the earth when we shift into that very high level of consciousness that we're capable of, none of that is compatible. It'll have to go. Yeah, just imagine, I mean, if, for me, for me, I, I do believe that, and I believe it comes out in action, and usually it comes out through voting and selecting your representatives and swaying them with citizenry and uh, dialogue and, you know, civic engagement. And I, and I think we are at an all-time low in this country and that's a i mean that's a tragedy because we are now the global leader after we've won a couple of science races with russia but now that those russian military are over there and the 75 nuclear bombs have gone missing and there's a significant amount of mafioso out there in the in the planet and drug cartels and influences that are really really tragically harmful you know, I, I don't know if we're selecting the right leadership to do a lot of the things we we want to do as a as a government. It's and, such it's such a time of polarity, you know, such incredible darkness, but also uh, initiatives like you know what you documented in Sirius and the shift in consciousness. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to ask you questions like. What would you love to have put in Sirius that you couldn't get in because uh, you're, you're so constrained, of course, in a movie with time? So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Inside Out is the voice of the inner revolution. Join host Beth Green and co-host James Maynard for a weekly program empowering humanity to change. We heal traumas getting in our way, see ourselves more clearly, overthrow stale and destructive personal and social traditions, Explore a new, liberating spirituality. Meet guests who are challenging old ways and join up with others who are changing themselves and our world. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. 
Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, this is Ann Gilsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. And my guest tonight is Amar Deep Kalika, uh, the director of Sirius, uh, the film Sirius. And we've been talking about the movie, we've been talking about consciousness. And I really wanted to ask you, Amar, what would you put in the film if you could have, if you've had a little bit more time? Because I'm sure you had to make some tough decisions about what got left out. Mm, that's a great question, and that is a great question. I, I'd get more more of the the technology in there that we're finding. Um, there's that one YouTube montage. Uh, I purposely did that in the film. I montaged the best finds that we had. Oh, okay. and um, if you watch the YouTube clip, clip itself, like I mean, there's science in that. And if you're a budding engineer, if you're a budding engineer or a budding scientist. I, I just go watch that montage. Somebody rip it for me. And you guys have been ripping the heck out of this movie. It got ripped uh, more than uh, some of the Hollywood blockbusters last year. I heard that all over the place. Like millions have seen it in rip version. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, we were upset at first because we do yeah. want to make enough money to you know have a, a meager living and not be in a divorce. You know, but exactly. <laughs> I mean, you deserve that. It's it's your creative work, all your time. That's not fair. No, but it's all good. I, I mean, I understand that right now art is, uh, there's a lot of it out there in the world. It's very cheap, and it, it's going to get cheaper with digital technology. Um, so we might as well start looking for the best and highest quality art, and maybe that'll help us raise our consciousness as well. And uh, hopefully this, this film is, is part of that for documentaries. I hope it's uh, you know considered high art and not a conspiracy film. Uh, and I and the the biggest voter conference there was Netflix finally reneging, like oh, and I sorry to use that term. That's actually just, or you know, a bad bad term. But um, coming back on their deal, where they were like, hey, we think it's a conspiracy film. We don't want to put it in our shelves. And then Netflix says, okay, we watched it. And now Stanford stands behind all that that they're, they're talking about. And yeah, it's not a conspiracy film. You guys actually have more data than most documentary films. Wow. And I'm like I'm like heck yeah, we do, buddy. <laughs> like our, sci- our science is strong, like, you know, and so he, yeah. it was awesome. And, and now it's the number one film on Netflix. I heard that. Is it just in the documentary categories or across all the categories? You know, it's funny because it's, inter- I think it's done by your geolocality. Oh, okay. So sometimes it's trending so hard that it's the top most pick in your area wow. and you're seeing it on your top picks. Sometimes it's trending so hard that it's the top most documentary in your area or it's in, the, in that little, um, Sometimes it's only trending in the, like, the top 9 or 10, but either way, uh, some of the screenshots we've seen, we know that in some major cities over 5 million, we've hit that little area where, you know, where, the, where the top pick in that area. So. That is very cool. Congratulations, because that's huge. And now people you know, all over the place are going to see it who you know, may have missed it the first time around. Um, but that, that's enormous on Netflix. It is, it is, and I, and I hope it speaks to the, the fact that, you know, in, in, in any art form, especially documentary filmmaking, like, uh, you're always worried about um, being able to fund the documentary. And using crowdfunding, and now we've crowdfunded a wide variety of things for people. We, 
we do it as a favor for friends and family, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about making a, a new company. JD and I have. JD, one of the producers of Sirius. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we talked about making Rainmaker, R-A-I-N-M-A-K-R. And that would be where we just crowdfund for people and people who just have initiatives. But we do it as your agency. So essentially, all you do is bring your idea and you being able to do the video or at least do the script that we write for you. We'll set it all up and and do it for you guys because it's it is a there is a system to it and right. it's not the system of making the video it's the system of the marketing and advertising and that's just something luckily because of my background with uh, you know Nike Toyota UGG like all these other people I I had privy to for quite a while like I was in a room when we were reshaping uh, Capital One's What's in Your Wallet uh, you know <laughs> right campaign. right yeah <laughs> so, I remember. So it, it was interesting to be in that side of the world, the ad world, then, you know, also be in narrative and fictional film and then come to documentaries because now I treat my documentaries like a cinematic project, but I look for the science and the hard journalism and then I try to market and design it so that the film will be successful, hopefully, in whichever genre it's in. So that's actually, uh, I was going to ask you a little bit more about what you've done since Sirius. Um, so this new initiative with JD is really cool. Uh, what else have you been doing? Tell us about that. Well, most of um, my work uh, kind of centers around, uh, during the making of Sirius, my father was murdered. Oh, that's and so sad. I'm so sorry about that. No, Everybody no. was. It's just heartbreaking. You know, and and you and I think the serious supporters were some of the most adamant at coming to my side and uh, stressing that this didn't seem conspiratory. But some of them, there was a few that said, "Hey, this seems like to have a conspiracy bend on it." And to be honest, it didn't. And now we know from the facts that we're having a repeat situation. That's science. When we see something repeat itself, then we know and we can point to it and say, "There's a problem." Mm-hmm. And the problem is race in America. Yes, yes, yeah. And you've been uh, you've been a real leader in that area in terms of you know bringing messages of condolences to people who've been affected by the kind of violence and racism that's so current right now. Absolutely. And then we, after my father was murdered, we were put in this situation. I mean, there was so much. I, you just do we not do serious anymore? Do we just uh, give it over to a friend's production company and we just you know, usher the project or chaperone it. Um, and I decided to go back to Sirius because I'm one of those people that when I get traumatized, I just want to go sit in a monastery somewhere for nine months or three years or four years. I just want you to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. That's just my inverted geeky <laughs> mentality of who I am, right? Right. And, and it was horrible because now instead of that, I got pushed into the... F- the front of the stage to talk about violence or to talk about, you know, the survivors' families. And uh, I did my best that I could because all of a sudden I became an ad hoc spokesperson. But I didn't, I, it, it always didn't, um, I never could take the time for myself. And that, that, was, a, that was a problem. And so yes. that's why I ran back to Sirius when I could after about four or five months and I tried to dive my head into work. But I also kept going back and forth because then we saw the murders in Sandy Hook. Then we saw the murders in, you know, in Chicago that 
Then we had the murders. I mean, oh, there's so many now. Fort Hood. It could keep going down. Now you got Chattanooga. Now you got Charleston. And, right. and all of them are different flavors of the same racism and hate, mm-hmm. which we know is being caused in our schools and our prisons. Those are the two most affected areas of this situation. It's so easy to see. It's so easy to fix. All you do is stop sending certain money to prisons and put it into schools. And you take people and you decriminalize a certain drug. It's a really easy one to decriminalize because it's got pharmacological and pharmacological, you know, abilities Absolutely. and healing powers. Yes. And and now you're doing all this. You're saving everybody money, and you can see it as a, at a macro level. So after you know after all that, I, I mean, I decided to run against Paul Ryan for Congress because he he was part of that puppetry that we can all see he's part of this charade of spokespeople that just get bought up by businessmen and that's all you got to kind of look at the gop the gop the guns oil and poverty machine is essentially just a business cartel making as much money as they can on human consumption resource consumption to do something with it right like they want to build buildings and they want to build infrastructure but if they really want to build infrastructure, wouldn't we just spend our money there? Because we don't. So I'm so curious. What what was your experience like personally uh, running like that? Because that that takes a lot of courage to step up and and challenge a contender for con- a seat in Congress. Well, I think I think that's when I first um, understood Dr. Greer's plight in the film. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, now I have a lot more respect for him than I did when he was having contract battles with me, and he didn't really understand the contract because he just he's never been through media, so he it's he new actually, for him. Yeah, he acts like it's new language, you know, you know, <laughs> and, and we're trying to explain it and, right. and be forthright with him. And um, but I had respect for him because here's a man, and all of you guys, I have so much respect for you. I have respect for each person who goes out there and says, "Hey guys, I've seen something strange in the sky." And then, you know, the guy will go, oh, you know, it was, it was a parachute with a flare. Oh, it was a helicopter. Oh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Oh, my God, you smoke too much pot. Oh, my God, you know, <laughs> whatever they do to ridicule you, it takes so much courage not to back off the case. That's right. And to keep an open mind, because we could be wrong. We always have to do that. But to step up, not, not just to be a bystander, which is what you did. You stepped up. I had to. I had to, especially in that situation where my dad is killed. I'm put in. He's technically like my dad is a victim of a former army sergeant who went to the army and became a white supremacist because of the institutionalized racism of the army. And that, I mean, and then, I mean, that we can go back and back and back into this man's life and see why why he became a killer. Right. But he he wasn't a psycho, and that's the other thing is that people who just say somebody is crazy, they just shot seven people, they're just crazy. Bro, you're not crazy if you shoot seven people. You're highly maniacal and skilled. It takes people, you know, something is wrong with you. Yeah, so the amount of control and planning to do that. Absolutely. And so um, I think the, the issue that we have is something that even Michael Moore talked about in you know, and Fahrenheit and Bowling for Columbine, and we're, we're becoming bigger, bigger whistleblowers and as, as journalists and documentary and documentarians, but we're also navigating these murky waters of will they kill us if we keep talking about it? 
Right. Like the death threats keep coming. Are and they don't get, stop. Are you receiving death, death threats? No, I mean, for me, uh, they stopped after I ran for Congress. Like after that run, I was like, okay, maybe I should keep my head low for a bit and just do media. Wow. You know, but, um, but character assassinations, they still happen. Yeah. Uh, I can show, man, there's so many things that happen, but that can happen from you running as a politician. I'm thinking that each of you guys that stand up for extraterrestrial thoughts or new science or new energy or, or this just a new millennial thought pattern of consciousness. Science is a consciousness, like, like it's an organic religion, you know. Th- this type of stuff, it, when you get attacked, you have to formulate arguments. And formulating arguments is a, is a hard process. Now, you were f- actually pulling together a movie on, on violence uh, and taking a look at, I think you called it The Peacemakers, and it's been in, in process for a couple of years. Is, is that still, still going to come forward? I'm sitting right in front of the editing machine right now, and Oh, how you. exciting. So in front of me is um, thepeacemakermovement.com. Uh, and the film is almost done. We're sound designing and putting a new score on it and getting the graphics into it and really, really mincing the facts on it because a lot of the voiceovers, we do a whole statistical thing and then we're trying to summarize it. But it's going to be a great film on why we are so violent. Everybody wants to know why. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it's, 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 a, it's a reaction to fear and us having this reaction to fear that creates a culture of consumption, that creates a culture of people who don't care about each other. And when you get to that point where you don't care about each other, you don't give each other the five minutes of conversation or you don't uh, say hi to each other on the streets or you don't listen to a song fully, we we start to lose this patience for each other. Right. And, I I mean, there was the one... Uh, Miss Bland, who was just who who hung herself in prison, oh. right? Um, be, after she was given a ticket and taken and brutally slammed to the ground uh, by just refusing to put out her cigarette in her car, like there's a situation right there where both parties did not have the patience for each other. One being white and one being black, they did not have the patience for each other just to like the officer who's in a superior position at that point because he is an officer of the law, not, be, not for anything else, literally could have just walked away and said, oh, let me take a breath, give her the time to smoke the cigarette because she might be having a bad day. Right. I just pulled her over and I, that can happen to people. And she could be stressed out and wanting that uh, cigarette. Yeah, and it's not illegal. Yeah. Let her smoke the cigarette. Come back, brother, and talk to her. So we only have a couple minutes left, um, and I want to tell our listeners that there will be a guest webpage uh, with your uh, site for the, the peacemakers.com, and um, also Never Ending Light and Facebook, so people will be able to find you. But I want to give you the last minute, just what, what is the message that you would love people to take away from Sirius and from your work right now? I would love for there to be a movement of families taking their kids out under the stars instead of watching TV all the time. I would love it if they bring out telescopes and binoculars and cameras and laser pointers and discuss these very, very interesting objects that move in the sky when you think about them. Hmm. You know, and sometimes they just fly by on accident just to see if you're watching. 
And it's magical, isn't it? Like for me, that's my my word for it. Beautiful, magical. And it's healthy. And it's healthy. And it's healthy for our planet Earth because we're not consuming at the television like that. It's better for our society because we are not harming each other and we learn to sit with 12 to 15 strangers in silence. When's the last time you sat with 12 to 15 strangers in silence if it's not in yoga class or meditation? Or it's church, church usually, right? Just to be able to be that comfortable together. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Amar. It's been fun to talk with you. It's like like we're having coffee, and I've been able to ask uh, questions that I've always wondered, uh, you know, sort of behind the scenes with the making of Sirius. But thank you so much for taking the time to be on the program and for being so generous with your answers. And thank you for having me. It's been a delight. So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and thank you for listening. Have a good week. Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Ann Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week.